Welcome back to our study of the book of 1 Kings. We're looking at 1 Kings chapter 8 today. 1 Kings chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. So much shorter passage this week than last time. This one is so full of uh, things I want you to see and notice. And so we're going to focus on just the first 11 verses. And what these verses tell us is what happened when Solomon brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple that he had just completed. Remember, uh, we saw previously that Solomon had completed his work on the temple as well as his own house. And so now uh, he's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And we're going to see what happens when he does that. So first thing to notice is that the Ark of the Covenant, or to remember, the Ark of the Covenant is God's throne. So the Ark of the Covenant was the piece of holy furniture that was a part of the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build with the people of Israel. And it was sort of a box where um, the tablets of the testimony, the Ten Commandments, could be stored. And on top of it was something called the mercy seat with two uh, cherubim whose wings overshadowed that mercy seat. And uh, Exodus 25 says, uh, God, God says to Moses, you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So this was the place where God spoke to Moses. This Ark of the Covenant was placed in the innermost part, what we call the Holy of Holies, of the tabernacle, the tent of God's dwelling um, in the time of Moses in the wilderness. And that was where uh, God would speak to uh, Moses there in the tent of meeting is from uh, between the cherubim uh, above the Ark of the Covenant. right? And then 1 Samuel 4.4 4 says, The people went to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim, referring to those uh, cherubim that are on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So the, the Ark is God's throne. Psalm 80 verse 1 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. So the Ark of the Covenant is a very, very holy part of the tabernacle and now will be a part of the temple because it's the thing that goes in the Holy of Holies and it's the place where God uh, dwells, where God speaks. It is God's throne. So Solomon assembles a group of people, uh, leaders from Israel, to bring the ark into the temple. Verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 8 says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, that is the twelve tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion. So remember, you remember the story where David danced before the ark of the covenant? And uh, his wife uh, was not happy about that, right? But David's, David was um, overjoyed, right? To, to dance before the Lord as the ark 
was brought into Jerusalem. So that was back in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where uh, David brought up the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, which was his capital city, right? So the Ark has already been brought to Jerusalem, but now it is being brought from the city of David specifically into the temple building itself that Solomon has just completed. Verse 2, And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Now, that's the kind of thing that we can easily brush over, but this is significant too. Which feast is it that takes place in the seventh month? I didn't know that off the top of my head, but I went and looked. And uh, Leviticus 23, verse 34, uh, and then verse 42 and 43 say that this feast that takes place in the seventh month, this is the Feast of Booths, right? And if if you don't remember the Feast of Booths, listen to what Leviticus says. Leviticus 23, starting in verse 34, says, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and for seven days, is the Feast of Booths to the Lord. And then skip down to verse 42. It says, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In other words, the Feast of Booths, which took place in the seventh month, was a week where the people of Israel were to dwell in booths or in tents, essentially. And the reason why they did that was to remember the time when God brought them out of Egypt and they dwelled in booths or in tents in the wilderness. So this is a reminder, again, of the Exodus. And part of why that's significant here is because not only did the people of Israel dwell in tents in the wilderness, but God himself dwelled in the tent, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. He dwelled in a tent during uh, Israel's time in the wilderness as well. Remember when David uh, said that he wanted to build a house for the Lord, because now David had a nice house. Why shouldn't God have a nice house? One of the things the Lord said was, I've been dwelling in a tent, right, since the exodus of Egypt. I'm paraphrasing there, right? Something along those lines. So now that at this moment when that period where God was dwelling in the tabernacle in a tent is coming to an end, what began at the exodus is now coming to an end, um, because Solomon has built the temple, it's appropriate that at that moment they are also remembering through the Feast of Booths that period of time where they dwelt in tents and God dwelt in their midst also in a tent, right? So that's the feast they're celebrating at this time. And then uh, verse 3 says, And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent, the priests and the Levites brought them up. So this is interesting too. We, uh, you know, we think about the time of the tabernacle in the wilderness. We think about the temple in Jerusalem. But up until this moment where Solomon has completed the temple, even though Israel's been living in the land for quite some time, right? This is after... Not not only after Moses, this is after Joshua and the period of the judges. Uh, This is after the kingship of Saul and David, right? So they've been living in the land for quite some time. 
Um, but there was no temple yet, but there was still a tent of meeting. So when they bring up the Ark of the Covenant to place it in the temple, they also bring with it, this verse tells us, uh, the uh, tent of meeting itself, right? The tabernacle and uh, the holy vessels that were in the tent, the, the things that they, that were a part of the worship in the tent, those things that still um, existed, they brought those things up to the temple as well. And then verse 5 says, And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. So as the ark is making its way from the city of David into the actual temple itself, there are so many sacrifices being slaughtered that they don't even have a, a number. They don't even keep a count of how many of these sacrifices are made. And if you think about, think about this, right? Remember, this, this ark is the most holy object in the nation of Israel, right? This is, it belongs in the Holy of Holies where only the high priest is allowed to go and he's only allowed to go once a year. And this is the throne of God. So not only is the, the tabernacle and now the temple the dwelling place of God, this particular uh, piece of furniture, holy furniture, is the throne of God. And they are carrying it through the city to the temple and you can't just stroll down the street and do that because this is God's throne so they're offering sacrifice upon sacrifice upon sacrifice as they make their way with this holy throne to the temple and this reminds us of two things one it reminds us of the holiness of God and that God is is other he's not like us He's not, he's not just one of us. He is different and distinct. He is holy and pure and righteous and perfect and good. And we are sinners and we are made of dust. We are creation. He is creator. And so for sinful human beings to carry the throne of the holy God, there, there has to be atonement made. There has to be sacrifices made. And the second thing it reminds us of is that though God is so holy and though we are sinful, God chose to come and dwell among his people. It was not his people's idea. His people didn't compel him to do this. It was his idea for them to build him a tabernacle. Right, And um, though it was David's idea to replace the tabernacle with the temple, that had to be done on God's terms. Right, But the, the, the basic idea of dwelling with his people, that was God's idea back in Exodus 25. So, And this uh, shows his, his love and mercy and compassion and grace for his people that he wants to dwell in their midst. Right, So um, this is a tremendous moment, right? Okay, so now we keep going. Verse 6. Then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, or some translations say the Holy of Holies. Those mean the same thing. Holy of Holies is the holiest holy place, or the most holy place. Uh, underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the Ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the Ark 
and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. So you've got the holy of holies, and then the holy place, and then the outside of the temple. So they're saying when they brought in the tabernacle, carried on the poles as God had designed and instructed, and they placed the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies under the wings of the cherubim, and uh, those poles were sticking out of the Holy of Holies so that if you were in the temple in the holy place, you could see the poles sticking out of the Holy of Holies, but you couldn't see it if you were outside the temple, right? That's what it's saying. Um, so it was placed in the, in the, in the Holy of Holies, um, and um, these cherubim, again, remember, they are associated with God's presence. They're the ones who guard the way into the Garden of Eden back in Genesis chapter 3. They are all over the tabernacle and the temple to recall Eden and ultimately to recall God's presence because that's what the temple and the tabernacle were for, is God's place to dwell among men. And then notice verse 9 says, There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. So the only thing at this point that was in the Ark of the Covenant was these two tablets of the testimony, the, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. That's all that's in there now. And again, this is another reminder of the Exodus, right? Uh, all right, now finally, verses 10 and 11. It says, And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So this is the moment where it becomes clear that God has accepted the temple that Solomon built as his dwelling place, replacing the tabernacle. Remember when Moses finished the tabernacle, at the end of the book of Exodus, in Exodus 40, when everything had been made exactly as God had commanded, and all of it was put together, and um, the tabernacle was finished, then the last paragraph of the book of Exodus says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So this cloud signified God's presence. And when Moses finished the tabernacle, this cloud came upon the tabernacle and God's glory filled the tabernacle so that Moses couldn't even go in there. And now that the tabernacle is being replaced by the temple, the same thing happens to show the people that God is indeed dwelling in their midst now in this temple, just as he dwelled in their midst in the tabernacle in times past. So this is truly now the dwelling place of God, just as the tabernacle was. And of course, all of this points forward 
to the day when Christ came, right? And John says in John 1 that uh, the Word, which is God, the Son, right? the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. So God Himself took on flesh, tabernacled among us. You can even translate that there. As, uh, some notes will show you. Um, tabernacled among us, and we have seen His glory. In other words, Jesus is the true fulfillment of the temple, which John then emphasizes again in chapter 2 when Jesus talks about His uh, death and resurrection in terms of the temple. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. John says he, he was talking about the temple of His body. Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. He is God Himself dwelling in our midst. And then, of course, in the new creation, there is no temple because God comes to dwell with His people. And there's no more need for a building where God's presence dwells because God's uh, presence fills the new creation. He dwells with His people without uh, a temple building, the whole new creation. The, the new Jerusalem, uh, at least, is, des is described as the Holy of Holies, as we talked about before. So all of this right, is uh, fascinating to look at, to remember what God did for His people, but also encouraging to remind us that this is not only what God did, this is what God uh, is going to do in the future, that He is going to dwell with us in an even more full way than he did in the temple. If you look back at this passage and you think, oh, man, if only I could see God's glory fill the temple. Well, one day you're going to see God face to face. One day you are going to, be, if you belong to Jesus, one day you're going to be in the new creation and you are going to see God and he is going to dwell with you in a more full way than anybody in Israel ever experienced, even Moses. So we look forward to that day and say, come Lord Jesus.